And welcome back to the Constitutionals Podcast. I'm your host, Chad White. If you didn't know, this is the premier podcast for the website, cpluscomedy.com. Like I just said, it's a website. Go there. Two episodes this week. We got two episodes of this show coming out this week, uh, mostly because there's too many stories for the one episode I was going to record on Friday, and I did not record last week. What's been going on? Nothing much, really. Uh, I saw Fast X. Thought it was a. I thought it was. I. There, I had. Okay. I have issues with it, and I usually like all. Uh, I think five onward are the best ones. I do. I do think that um, this one was a little not bloated because I do think that it does set up three separate stories, but there's a. It, it felt very disjointed, and David Mazou and Dan. Excuse me, Dan Mazou. And Justin Lin were the screenwriters for the movie. Justin Lin was a director of, of a lot of the movies. And he should have stayed the director, too. Because I also think Louis Ledier, who directed uh, Now You See Me, did not stand the test of time <laughs> with this. It just felt kind of all over the place. But I'm glad with some of the things that happened. Uh, Vin Diesel is ridiculous. <laughs> And it was very funny. There's movie. There's parts that was very funny. There's action. That was that was enjoyable. Uh, I I I waited a week to see it. And my theater only has one Dolby screen, the the Dolby Atmos screen, the Dolby Cinema screen rather, which is the it's just a slightly bigger screen. You get the same seats, the same reclining seats, which I really don't care for. But you get the same seats, but you just get a slightly bigger screen and. Uh, I believe it's in uh, slightly better 4K, so it looks bigger, and then the sound—the sound is also a little bit more immersive. But it's nothing like IMAX. The last movie I saw in IMAX was Spider-Man: No Way Home, and I and I just and I and I really I had a free um, I had a free ticket to that, I think, or reduce like a very very reduced ticket to that. But uh, I had to drive back to the suburbs. And I saw it with a friend who lived in the suburbs still. And even still, I don't think that screen was completely IMAX, even though it said IMAX. You just need an IMAX theater. Anyway, I've been to one IMAX theater. It doesn't matter. Okay. Fast X, enjoyable, fun, funny, if not broken. And people say that about the other ones, but man, I like eight. I like nine. I like six. I like seven. I like five. I don't like the other ones. This one just seemed... The running time is... Is relative. I mean, it's it's fine. It's two hours and twenty one minutes. Um, it really it felt like less than two hours. There was a point where I said I have to pee, and I went, ah, you know what? Let's just let's get past this action scene, and then it ended. <laughs> and I went, oh okay. Oh, Ledier also performed several uncredited rewrites to the screenplay. He doesn't. He shouldn't have done that. <laughs> or maybe he should have. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Anyway, it was fine. I enjoyed it. I can't wait to buy it and 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 have it and watch it again and again like I've done 5 through 9. Could because again, I do think that 5 is when it, the series got good. I don't think 1 is good. I don't think 2 is good. I do not like Tokyo Drift, and I've only seen parts of Fast and Furious, which is the the which was supposed to be the reboot, but anyway. Yeah, this one's the longest one, and yet somehow it it felt short. Oh, then there's the TV show Fast and Furious Spy Racers, 
uh, the movie, the show that I did not watch because it, it doesn't look very good. Uh, Hobbs and Shaw. Oh, there and there's a point where it connects to all the, to all the other ones. Oh my god, did such a good job on that at least. What else has been going on? I've not been playing video games. It's hard to do so, especially when we have a couple hours at night. That's pretty much it. <laughs> Nothing else going on. All right, let's get into the stories. This comes from the Wall Street Journal, written by Jessica Tunkel, Wall Street Journal. ESPN plans to stream flagship channel eyeing cable TV's demise. The internal project codename is Flagship. It lays out the shift uh, and uh, lays out shift in coming years as talks with leagues and cable partners have begun. One of the biggest issues for uh, a TV. What, what is this on my shirt? Oh, it's a fuzzy. One of the biggest issues for people not dropping cable is sports. Uh, and then a couple of years ago, a cable, uh, excuse me, an online streaming TV provider, let's just say online cable provider, uh, Fubo TV came out with uh, sports-centric streaming. Uh, what does is, what is Fubo offer? Fubo TV. I know one person with Fubo TV. See, it's a, a young lady I dated. So it offers... Why would you? It showed me the sports, and then it immediately went to uh, my local channels, which I don't care. In terms of sports, Fubo offers a whole litany of things from your your classic broadcasts: ABCs, NBC, Fox, and NBC, uh, NBC CBS. Although to Bally Sports, which was lost off of. Uh, which I think Fubo TV is the only thing that offers uh, uh, Bally Sports. And then uh, FS1, your NFL Networks, your ESPNs, your BN Sports, your Big Ten, your College Networks, FS2, which is important, I, I'm thinking, because that is gone from YouTube TV, at least. MLB, Spring Innings, Brave, channels for the Braves, channels for the Philly, you know, just different everything. And then I assume you have to sign up for NBA League Pass and the Braves and all that stuff. And it is a it's a competent package, but it's mostly sports centric. I, I I would think that it's for people who really just want to do sports. You know they they've got the Paramount stuff and everything. Anyway. But for a long time, you can only get ESPN on cable, and then became and then ESPN Plus brought in the ability to stream just li- lesser known ESPN channels, save for ESPN One and Two, and then you also got Thirty for Thirty and all that stuff. But now Disney's trying to leverage the ESPN name as they should, and trying to turn it into its own streaming package as opposed to what espn plus is which is just it brings in some it doesn't have channels it doesn't, just essentially espn ch- plus lacks channels it it, it uh it, it lacks the things that would make it a, a proper streaming thing because for espn you want the live thing you want the live aspect you want to be able to watch hockey and basketball and football live as opposed to having to watch uh not having to but having the option to watch uh, a hockey game that's not even on tv you know, the Nashville Predators, sure, they could be playing on ESPN regular, but they won't. They're not being they're not playing because there's a basketball game on. And so this game has to air on ESPN plus. Now they're going to bring in the both worlds. We'll see that service. I'm thinking by 2024, I'm thinking late 2024, 
just in time for the Super Bowl for the following year. When wins the World Cup? World Cup uh, 2024? Hey, 2026, I was wrong. So obviously before then we will see we will see some tour, some sort of just and it'll just be it'll be ESPN plus it'll just be I think it'll be a rebranded ESPN plus consumers are ready to cut the cord this new thing that they're dubbing flagship it's going to continue to offer the TV channel after launching the streaming option people familiar with the matter said and still the change could have a major impact on cable TV providers since ESPN is one of the main attractions of cable the providers pay to carry ESPN channel and would have to compete with the new streaming service ESPN has begun securing flexibility in its deals with the cable providers to offer the channel directly to consumers the people said the financial terms of those deals couldn't be learned the company is having similar discussions with pro leagues, uh, sports leagues, as those uh, rights deals come up and has secured the same flexibility from at least two major leagues. So let's pretend it's, uh, 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 you know, again, hockey and basketball and those leagues that make billions of dollars from just being watched on ESPN. Also, it opens up the door for them to be able to be streamed. Whereas for, and again, I, I don't know this, but purely speculative, MLB and, and oh, excuse me, NBA has a has a streaming thing. Well, MLB's MLB.tv, they don't want that to eat in their profits. But, I mean, technically you technically won't. Because if you want to subscribe to that, then you won't do that. Okay, every media company is trying to do this. The system... That they're doing now, under the uh, the the cables, the cable bundles. Uh, ESPN ESPN gets nine dollars and forty two cents slice of the average cable TV bill. It collects fees from cable providers for each customer, compared to the average of forty nine cents per subscriber for the other U.S. cable networks. So ESPN is still a big ticket item, even though they have bad analysts and bad TV shows. Streaming's hard. Streaming's hard. There's there's uh, there's there's things like uh, Max is going to go up to twenty dollars for for the four K option. Netflix is already at twenty dollars. Disney Plus is is going to have to raise prices, and then there's packages and everything. MSG has a new streaming service which offers New York Knicks and Buffalo Sabres games, and it's priced at $30 a month. ESPN coming in here with its own streaming package is going to have to offer a lot, but also for the right price. Uh, the sports fans aren't going to pay. If, they, if they'd if they already dropped, if, if a sports fan, if this is what they've been waiting for, or, or if, this is, if they've already acted upon it, if they've dropped cable and they were just waiting for ESPN proper, not just ESPN Plus, but ESPN proper to join in, um, Let's say that person has already already has a subscription to Netflix. Let's just throw that out there. And then they also want Max. And for some reason, they have Amazon Prime. So that's three of those things. On top of, let's say, a presumed $15. Because <laughs> that's direct money instead of having to split it. Oh, well, they would have to end up splitting it because they have to give it to, have to give some money to NBA and, and golf, uh, the PGA and... Uh, 
uh, and, and the rest of the squad. 74 million households had access to ESPN via traditional cable. I'm just saying that the people are going to be paying this basically the same amount. This is, this is, it's the fears of what streaming is. The a la carte model still affects the regular streamer. Has access to ESPN via traditional uh, packages. 74 million households or digital distributors like YouTube TV as of last September, which is down 11% from 2019. Uh, in the most recent quarter, income for Disney's traditional television networks, including ESPN, fell significantly to $1.8 billion from $2.8 million, billion dollars in, year, in the year earlier quarter. We're, it's, again, we're seeing a shift to uh, streaming, and this, is, this was inevitable. I think it's a, a little bit later than they should have done. I think the streaming thing, the, the channels, rather, should have been folded into ESPN Plus if they were going to do this um, right around when Disney Plus launched so that you can offer essentially what could be a complete package for the regular consumer. They have ESPN, which would be the sports that they want. And then they have Disney Plus, which would be the thing that'll, you know, depending on their age, it could it could be for their children or for them. For people uh, like like uh, like me who, who go, hey, I want to watch Doug, which is not good. <laughs> or, hey, I want to watch Bonkers. Why am I choosing the bad shows? <laughs> hey, I want to watch Recess. <laughs> and then they have Hulu, which would be, the thing that caters more towards the other side of that spectrum. That's a good bundle, I'd say. I do say because I pay for it. This next thing comes from uh, Variety. I was going to say VIP. It's from the VIP Plus and the Variety Intelligence Platform, written by Andrew Wallenstein. Zaslov, speaking of streaming, David Zaslov's call for truce and streaming wars won't work. So David Zaslov is the head of Warner Bros. Discovery. He was the head of Discovery, and then when they brought out, bought out uh, Warner Bros., he uh, ruined the company. And uh, <laughs> he, he came out last Thursday, and I only saw this, uh, not the article, but I saw the, um, his quote in passing. But he essentially said uh, that at SVB's uh, Moffitt and Nathanson's inaugural technology, media, and telecom conference, he said there's, he called on competition to come together and quote, end the repackaging of marketing and products. So basically he just said he wanted more bundling, which is the thing that people were getting, are getting away from when it comes to streaming. I mean, not streaming, to cable. It's, he said there, there's no specifics, but he, he says, uh, if we don't do it ourselves, I think it'll be done to us. There are also rumors of, uh, or actually, no, let's not go with rumors. There, there is a, I think on Amazon Prime right now, you can get MGM and stars for $11 per month, as opposed to paying, you know, separately seven and seven or something or whatever, whatever number that is. But bundles, I think or the thing that would draw people away. I mean, you know, eventually, yes, a, a bundle will bring in people. They'll say, hey, I, I'd love to get Paramount Plus with Showtime. Uh, but now that's becoming one app. <laughs> that's, that was a bad example. Uh, I, I'd love to get Paramount Plus with stars or Showtime with stars and get and get a nice little thing there. 
Um, but eventually that is just going to, how often are you watching stars? How often are you watching Showtime? You have to choose one at, in the end. Unless you're like me, because I, I have a list. I have a watching, I have a table full of hundreds of movies and shows. Do I, have I gotten through a lot? No. <laughs> how many, how many, ask me how many times I watch The Simpsons. Once a day. <laughs> Come on, how, how am I going to be able to watch I did do, I do watch Succession last night. Zaslav knows full well he'd have an easier time getting all these companies aligned by rolling them up into one, but that would take forever, even in a more forgiving regulatory environment. Still, if anyone's going to play the role of the consolidator uh, via M&A, he's the man. But Brian Roberts and Sherry Redstone may have said no so many times that at this point that Zaslav understands that's no longer a viable path for consolidation. This is, I mean, people cancel cable because it costs so much money. And now there's, you can, and, and now like for Verizon, you can get so many different bundles. You can get the Disney bundle. You can get uh, uh, stars via them, AMC plus via them. There can, there, there, there can be one aggregate service, but it doesn't work where everybody gets a piece of the pie. In some cases, I think the aggregate would be much more like an RSS feed. I have an RSS feed to read all the the news things I want to read. I have one for news, for New York Times, Wall Street Journal, NPR, you know, The Atlantic, whatever. And then I have one for gaming, which is IGN, GameSpot, you know, other gaming websites I can't remember. (laughs) I have one for tech, The Verge, Engadget, Ars Technica, all that stuff, mobile, uh, and sports. But I, th- I think it would mostly act like that. And we already have that with the Google TV platform, with Apple TV, with Fire TV, with whatever TV platform you have, that is the best way to do it. There, no, Disney, while it would seem like a good idea for, for Disney, you know, let, let's just like, yeah, let's get past the government saying yes or no. But while it would seem like a good idea uh, for for Disney to have, you know, for Disney and Apple to split ownership of Warner and and Paramount and all that stuff, uh, it just it just we would see a lot more cancellations. We would see a lot more uh, uh, splitting of the shows. You know, shows wouldn't be on Disney Plus as long as they are or Paramount Plus or Max, or whatever. This only works if it's if it's music, if it's a music service. Spotify, Apple TV, or excuse me, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Deezer, Kubo, the rest of those, Cubuzz. It's Cubuzz, right? Yeah, it's Cubuzz, I think. Tidal. It only works there be, but that's because that's that's music. It, you can't really do it for TV and film. The fallacy behind the streaming wars is it's not even the biggest war being fought when compared to the battle royale among hardware providers and their operating systems. Zaslav correctly called out, Amazon, Apple, and Roku as the player's best position to bundle multiple streaming services because they're already going through it. Uh, doing aggregation models like Amazon's channels. And you can subscribe 
via Roku channels to to Showtime or Paramount Plus. You can subscribe to Apple's channels, which is like Stars and AMC Plus. But then doesn't he doesn't he know the thing that he doesn't want is that they'd be getting less money? Let's move on to the Cannes Film Festival. This comes from Hollywood Reporter, written by Mia Galupo and Scott Roxborough. Multi-union strike fear has dealmakers on the edge. If you don't know the Cannes Film Festival, or Cannes, as the regular person calls it, but I think it's pronounced Cannes, I don't give a hoot. The Cannes Film Festival. I'm going to go with that one. Festival was last week, and there and 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 what what happens is every year they do this festival. Also, David Zaslav was booed at the uh, Boston University graduation, which I think was hilarious. <laughs> anyway, the Cannes Film Festival, um, studio buyers and purchasers and streamer purchasers. Let's just say studio studio buyers from Netflix to Focus Features to Paramount, whatever. They go to the film festival and they create a hot market for movies. So there could be a movie starring um, uh, 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 Andrew Garfield, and and it could be you know a big seller, and a, and and Netflix can buy it like that, <laughs> quickly and succinctly. On the other hand, some movies don't sell that well. Sometimes and it, and it's also just a film. It's a film festival too. But one of the biggest fears during during that time period was the strike, the the writer strike that is still ongoing, and they were concerned. I think both sides were concerned. You know, the film festival and uh, not the strikers, the film festival and the ad and the buyers, uh, that there could be uh, 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 executives felt confident. Excuse me, I'm sorry. As for the uh, WGA strike, which with much more of a runway available than television networks, which are debuting fall schedules with predominantly unscripted fare. We'll see that in a second. Executives felt confident in a cushion that would allow their film slates to weather the WGA storm. But one domestic distribution exec notes that should the strike last six months, that is when release calendars will start to feel the crunch. So they weren't afraid about crossing the picket line to buy because they're not really they're not doing anything. They're not creating things, writing things, and buying things and writing things. This is the first time in a market where I've been presented with scripts with uh, which are not the final script, coming with detailed director and producer notes about the f- future significant changes. One buyer notes. The hope here being that this uh, striking writer will come back and implement the the notes quickly after an agreement is reached between the WGA and AMPTP. The buyers are left with a decision to purchase a project that may or may not be able to uh, lens this year, I guess I mean shoot, with a script that may or may not be done. That is something that they should be worried about. And the longer this lasts, you know, in 2007, 2008, there wasn't the advent of streaming. There, all we had was broadcast cable and premium cable and maybe, you know, a couple of online things. But there wasn't streaming and streaming wasn't where it was at that point. Now, I think this is a bigger business. It's not a think. I know it's a bigger business where 
You can you can have uh, uh, shows on TikTok. You can have shows on YouTube. You can have shows on Netflix, on Disney Plus, on Hulu, on Hulu for F- Hulu FX on Hulu, on ABC, HBO, Cartoon Network. You can have shows across any one of those mediums, and and then now write it scripted affair appear on podcasts. They appear on Audible platforms. It's, uh, I mean, now, like, the, I think this is going to this this strike is going to be a lot shorter because the studios are going to have to realize that this is gonna this they need they need the writers more than anybody. And what you'll see here in this next story coming from the Hollywood Reporter, written by Rick Porter, networks really tried to circumvent what was go- what is going on right now. In terms of, and we ju- and I mentioned it previously, uh, there's a, there's not a lot in terms of uh, broadcasts on ABC. They're not doing any scripted shows for this coming fall. They're going to have three different versions of The Bachelor, including a new one uh, starring older and older versions of Bachelors called a Golden Bachelor, I think. Fox didn't put out a schedule for the second year in a row, opting to wait for a while before its announcement. And they uploaded on scripted shows. Unscripted, unscripted rather, excuse me. And they can't, I think they canceled a couple, like uh, Call Me Cat. They've got renewals for Farmer Wants a Wife and Special Forces, new game shows. Man, more Gordon Ramsay fare. CBS, uh, I don't think Paramount did an upfront, but they did release their schedule. On some level, putting out a fall schedule doesn't... Uh, f- uh, okay, so uh, they... Uh, wow. So the only shows CBS has right now, one of the biggest factors is Survivor and Amazing Race, they've both been expanded to 90 minutes for their Wednesday night slots. That's crazy. They're both 90 minutes. Shows like The Neighborhood, Bob Hart's Abishola, NCIS, they're all still coming back for the fall. I don't know how, if they even have episodes written. That's crazy. That's very interesting to see. Are we sure this isn't 2024? CBS is one of the only networks with scripted shows. Let's see where NBC falls. There is a plan B at CBS, but the network isn't sharing anything yet. Hmm. Interesting. I might have it wrong. I think NBC. NBC's fall plans include the same number of scripted hours, 10, as last season, but crucially, several of the shows filling in those slots have already filmed some or all of their seasons. Okay. There's new shows like Found, The Irrational, and Extended Family, uh, which are products of NBC's year-round development, which I, I do I do like that year-round development thing that, that makes a lot more sense so you can do things like this. Uh, Rook, uh, excuse me, uh, Quantum Leap and Night Court stayed in production after getting early season two renewals and will have at least a handful of episodes ready for fall. And then, of course, they've got the sports shows. 
One big thing, though, NBC has penciled in fall premieres for five of six Dick Wolf shows, all but Law and Order Organized Crime, which is designated for midseason. Oh, I guess that show is going to get a shortened season. I wish it makes sense. I don't want to see 22 episodes of Stabler doing toxic things. It's going to be business as usual for them. Oh, then they have uh, the second half of their 20-episode Magnum P.I. order. Okay. And then more episodes of Weakest Link. Great. So it looks like CBS and NBC are the only ones not really relying on complete schedules of of, uh, uh, of scripted fare, of unscripted fare, rather. Um, but this is, I mean, this just goes back to there needs to be some sort of way for uh for for writers and company and studios to get together and 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 really make a deal because this is important i think nbc's nbc's year-round thing uh makes a lot of sense and it really keeps people employed because imagine being a writer on quantum leap you get you know, you get that initial nine and then you get a, or excuse me, you get the initial 13, then you get a back nine. Uh, and then you, I assume it had 21 episodes a season. I don't know. I stopped watching halfway through. Uh, I, th- I think I stopped watching four episodes. It's a great show. I, I enjoyed myself. I enjoyed myself, but it is very, very, very just on the nose at some points. Um, but imagine, you know, getting that initial 13 episode order, then you get a back nine and, uh, and then maybe even, you know, you finish, they, they allow you to get 30, 23, 33. 33. We haven't done 33 episode seasons in a long time. I think it says Ozzy and Harriet, which is the first sitcom. <laughs> but then, and then imagine getting, hey, uh, the show's renewed and uh, we're going to take a hiatus from, you know, d- December to February and then we're back on schedule in February. That would help out people. And then, and then the strike happened, but you already have. 16 scripts written that would re- that really helps out people in the long run now this next one continuing on with that same idea is written by michael schneider over at variety how the writer strike is forcing a rewrite of the emmy for your consideration season we've already started the campaigns i think the show is in september shows like ted lasso succession shrinking they're all they're all vying for that coveted coveted trophy. No one knew that the strike would have any impact on uh, the for consideration. The various streamers and conglomerates had already shelled out millions of dollars to build elaborate activations, with not much mind to how happening how opening these spaces in May after the WGA's deal with studios and producers had expired might become a problem. The possibility of a strike had been looming for months, but Emmy campaigning seemed to exist on another plane. It's about celebrating programs that had already been written and produced. The WGA had not shared any guidelines prior to the strike about what would be acceptable for writers in the, uh, uh, in the FYC space, leading many to assume it wouldn't be impacted. It turns out the WGA had kept it quiet for a reason. On May 2nd, as the strike commenced, it issued guidelines that made very specific, that made very specific for writers, no festivals, no for your consideration. You are, uh, you are prohibited, quote, from making these promotional appearances about your work until the strike concludes. That took, that took everyone uh, uh, by surprise. It, and, 
you know, it shouldn't it shouldn't really impact it in any sort of way, but it it does. And now that we have a lot of these creator driven shows like Ted Lasso, like Insecure, uh, uh, and and where the where the creators are the ones who. Or, or uh, Barry, for instance, who take who take the helm of directing or take the helm of writing. It's uh, it's it's not. It doesn't seem like it's um, fair, but you have to stand in solidarity with the people that you've worked with, and and you know, in the end, I think if and in some respects, the WGA. Is more they're more than correct, but in some respects, I I, uh, I kind of agree with them that, uh, and I, and maybe maybe this is this isn't the case, but you should be known if if someone is voting for you, and the if someone's voting for Bill Hader and Barry and this specific episode, and they thought this this episode episode three of season eight or excuse me season eight of Barry. God, I couldn't take it. But if, but if they did, but if episode three of season four rather is the one it's on now, if that was the best episode of the season, and they and and they knew that Bill Hader because they watched the credits, wrote that episode and directed that episode, then they should just know. Mulaney uh, did not show up to the Netflix uh, panel for consideration panel. John Stewart canceled his Apple TV uh, Plus event. Plan events for Carpool Karaoke's The Series, Echo 3, Mythic Quest, and Five Days at Memorial were just kaput. Other events continued, but without showrunners or a panel altogether. Prime Video's event for Swarm continued with star Dominic Fishback, because she probably didn't write it. Uh, and create, But creator Janine Neighbors bowed out. The four-year considered event, uh, event uh, for the other two, HBO Max's or Max's other two kept the screening, but scrapped his Q and A. The same went for Apple's Truth Be Told, which is in its final season, which I think would have kind of needed that push. Yeah, for some shows, it's going to really impact them. For others, I don't think it is at all. For talent continuing to show up, one answer I know is, quote, it's their way of honoring their showrunners. They're not crossing a picket line to do it. They're getting out there and talking about the showrunners and the work and the that they've done. It's past work. I don't know what you'd that you'd get an actor to go to an upfront, but an actor to an FYC event and campaign for the show is a different thing. We're going through these phases with the uh, the the writers' strike where they're they're de- there's not a gray area. You're either against them or you're with them. I saw um, a a tweet about uh, the director Michael Mann crossed the picket line and. He did so in a way that uh, was, uh, you know, unbecoming to say the least. Uh, but I saw the tweet and it was like the the person said, I didn't want to give it away. But, uh, you know, I saw they used they used titles. You know, there was collateral when he, you know, drove past the inside man, you know, things like that. I thought it was very funny. And I went, Michael Mann, is he, he's still working. <laughs> he's 80 something years old. You can't stop what the first of all you can't stop the beat. Second, <laughs> you can't stop the motion of the ocean. Okay, I think I did that joke in LinkedIn logs. I just recorded. I they they've already sent out these invitations. They, I mean everything's already gone out. Everything's already gone out. The TV Academy. This is they 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 write here. The TV Academy requires events to be committed 
and contracts uh, contract signs uh, three weeks out. So if cancellations are last minute, those fees have already been paid. So there's fees for administration fees for your events and things like that. So you get you have to pay five thousand dollars for administration fees, and then there's penalties of twenty five hundred dollars. The, the academy's not going to uh, reimburse any of those. It's a catch twenty two. Then there's a question of who's on stage. The FYC organizers are also starting to be asked the question of whether an audience will still attend, especially if the panel is canceled. So if, if, if I'm somebody who's in New York for the, th- for the week of the FYC events and I see, and I see that you know the, the, there's the Q&A for the other two was canceled, what's going to make me want to con- just go and watch two episodes of the show and then get up and leave? They're important. These events are important. They're, they're things that can help, uh, Q&As can help make the actors seem more personable and people can finally ask the questions that they've wanted, wanted to ask you know, uh, somebody. It's great for social media. It's great to, to just get the word out about the show because there's so many shows. There's so many shows out. People will come to a screening of I see here that Netflix attracted more than 600 people to the Hollywood Forever Cemetery for a screening of Wednesday. And then you got to chat with a vet Nicole Brown. I mean, come on. It's a they, she moderated a panel, but still. Ghosts from CBS had a standing room only crowd at the Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel. I it's the strike. The strike has upended a lot of a lot of things, and I and I think for the better. And in the end, uh, while we're missing shows for the fall, this will this will ultimately turn to the favor of the writers. And when SAG are the ones on strike, hopefully. There'll be solidarity coming from the WGA just like SAG had given to them. Same thing for the Directors Guild and the Producers Guild. And then just regular regular guilds uh, like the Teamsters and, and, and such. All of this is harder than what people think it to be. And that's the end of that. Listen, if you like what you heard here, head to the website, cpluscomedy.com, where you can see me talk to famous people. Sometimes, not all the time, sometimes. <laughs> If you want to see, listen to our other podcasts, there's Late Night Lately, the Late Late Night Show show. Again, because of the strike, I am not doing that show. It's on hiatus. If you want to see past episodes or listen to past episodes, then do so at your leisure. There's also LinkedIn Logs, which is our LinkedIn podcast, the business podcast, where I try to become a LinkedIn influencer. If you want to see video versions of the show, youtube.com slash comedy. We can also find News Time, which is our premier TV show. It's like the Daily Show, except way less funny. TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at C plus Comedy. Me at Chad Black White. Rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends about this, and thank you for listening. I love you. Mm-hmm.